What's going on, Coastal? How you guys doing today? Come on, we can do better than that. Come on, how are you guys doing today? Well, welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're joining with us today. And I just want to go ahead and say welcome to all of our guests that are here this weekend. Man, we're so glad that you're here with us. We know that there are a lot of different places and spaces you could be on this Sunday morning. But the fact that you chose to spend it here with us, it, it, it does not go amiss on us. And so, man, we just want to welcome you. We think that if you're out there and you've been looking for a church home and you're like, man, where's the place that my family can grow? and evolve and be all that God has called us to be, let me be the first to say welcome home. Welcome home to, to Coastal. I think, I think you've made a great choice today. And uh, before we dive in today, hey, Parkland, can you guys help me welcome everybody that's watching online and everybody over at our Lighthouse Point location. Come on, let's give it up for them. Man, we love you guys. We're so glad that you're joining with us this morning. As we are beginning a brand new series this weekend, called I Am, and, and, and we're just going through over the next couple of weeks, and, and, and here's what's been going on in my heart and what God has kind of been speaking to me is that in this world right now, this world will tell you who you are over and over and over again. Has anybody realized that? Like the world wants to put labels on you, they wanna put definitions on you, they want to identify you and and as I'm looking at our world, I realize that our world is getting more and more chaotic. It's getting more and more crazy. And there has never been a time that there has been as much confusion as there is right now. And, and, and I'm watching the next generation get deceived about who they are. I, I see culture uh, uh, coming in and starting to tell them who they are and who they can be and, and what, what they're gonna be all about. And, and then I see parents that aren't taking a stand for truth because honestly, we've gotten to this place where truth is relative, where you have your truth and I have my truth. And I'm just here to say that there is one truth and one truth alone, and that comes from the word of God. And I believe that God, like church, we should get a little bit more excited about that. When, there's, when truth is just relative to what everybody thinks, to know that there is something that we have that is solid, there's something that we have that we can actually build our life on, we should actually find out what that is. And and honestly, as this year, as I've been doing my just personal Bible study, I've been stuck in the Old Testament and I've been going through First and Second Samuel and First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles. And, and God has really been convicting me personally as your pastor because I look at it and I go, man, I don't know that I've been the best pastor of this church. And let me explain because we, we are very, we have a tendency to be very, very inspirational here. And I believe that the word of God is very inspiring. Like you can do it. You can go step in faith. You can go take mountains, man. God's got a purpose. God's got a plan. Those are all great things. And, and we've been very, very inspirational but I don't know that I've necessarily given you a lot of doctrine, a lot of things that you can actually stand firm on when the world tells you things that aren't true. 
And I think that we're coming to a point in a place where we need to understand not just what the world says, but what God actually says about us. Like who we actually are in Christ. Not, not I, I am whatever, whatever somebody else puts on me, but what does God actually say? And, and, and my, see, in, in the world of chaos, what people are looking for is clarity. In fact, my wife says this all the time. Clarity is kindness. And kindness is clarity. We don't need more certainty in this life. Here's a certainty that you have. You're born and you're gonna die. Those are the only certainties that we have. What we need in the midst of what is going on is we need clarity. We need to know where we are to go and who God says we are and who do we need to be as Christ's followers. And so for the next couple of weeks, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna dive in to the book of Romans to understand the theological ramifications of what Jesus did on the cross and his resurrection, what it means for our lives so that we know who we are in Christ. And, and see, the four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they tell of what Jesus did. But the book of Romans, Paul is not just telling us what Jesus did, but based on what Jesus did, who we are in Christ now, that we follow him, that we believe in him, that we trust in him. And my goal here for us is that, is that we would identify with who God says we are, not what everybody else says and thinks about us. And so today, I, I want to start off by defining the gospel because I don't. I, I, I think that if we don't understand the gospel, it's going to be hard for us to understand everything else. And so, if you're taking notes today, which you should be, the gospel is simply this: the gospel is simply good news. That's what the gospel is. It is. It is the good news, and this is a central pillar of which our faith stands on. It is the good news of what Jesus did, that he was the son of God who came down to this earth, was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, did no wrong, was actually persecuted and tried and convicted, hung on a cross, died and rose again for the sins of your, your life and the sins of my life. And, and the significance of that and the good news of that is that we are no longer separated from God, but we are actually walking in a relationship with our creator. And so when you start to think about that, the entire basis of the book of Romans, scholars believe can be summed up in, in basically a single passage. It is the most significant passage in all of Romans. It's found in Romans chapter one, starting in verse 16. And this is what it says. It says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. For the, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. 
And so what I want to do is, is each and every week over the next couple of weeks is I want to bring some clarity to the chaos and the craziness of this world. And, and how we're going to do that is we're going to be looking at what Paul says in our lives about what Jesus has done. And so every week we're going to be able to take on a, a new declaration or a new attitude based on who Jesus says we are in the book of Romans. And so week one, if you're taking notes, is simply this. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel, which is pretty interesting because in our culture today, you can pretty much talk about anything in this world except God. Like, let's be honest. You can talk about your political beliefs, you can talk about your sexuality. You can talk about your sin. You can talk about your screw-ups. You can talk about your mess-ups. But the moment you bring God to the conversations, it's taboo. Can't do it at your workplace. Can't do it at school. Some of us are even afraid to say it at church. And in our world, what they will do is they will continually shame us and go, no, no, no. Because you can do anything, but don't bring Jesus into the conversation and talk about your faith. That is taboo. And Paul right here goes, no, 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 no. Because if you knew the gospel, like if you knew what Jesus did for you, you would never be ashamed of that thing. Like there is nobody in this world that would keep your tongue from not spitting out some words because of the grace and the mercy and the love and the forgiveness that the gospel brought to your life. Like we should never be ashamed of this incredible, amazing gift of grace and mercy that we receive. And see, when you're not ashamed, here's what you do. You, you don't walk around with any guilt. You don't walk around with any embarrassment in life, which is interesting because a lot of us, we're not ashamed about a lot of things in life. In fact, a lot of you, you're not ashamed of things that you should probably actually be ashamed of. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, 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 for instance, some of you, you guys are, are, are not ashamed. Like, you tried, you showed up, you got like the I showed up award and you've got them plastered all over your room, students. You're like, I was there. And like, you're proud. Like, yeah, I was the 18th place finisher. What's up? Probably should be ashamed of that. Some of you guys that are sports fans, like these guys, this guy right here should be ashamed. He tattooed Boston Celtics 2022 world champions. They did not win in 2022, nor did they win in 2023. <laughs> Go Heat! <laughs> but the ultimate person that should be ashamed is this person right here. Cat people, I don't even understand you. Anyway, like you're, you're like taking selfies, like check me out with my 17 cats. That's why you're single, okay. Oh, did I say that out loud? My bad. 
Just some truth. It's not scriptural, but it's truth. I want to challenge us here today to not be ashamed of the gospel. Here's how I liken it. If, if you had the cure for cancer, and you were walking around with the cure for cancer, you would not worry about what any person thought about. You saw somebody with cancer, you'd be like, hey, hey, I've got the solution to your problem. But a lot of us, we, see, what we fail to realize is that God is actually the solution to humanity's problem of sin. And we're going, oh, no, no, I, I've got the solution to it, but, but you know what, I, don't, I, can't, I can't share that with anybody. Like, in fact, the only time this comes out is Sunday morning when I'm at church. It's the only time I can share this. I can't live this at work. I can't bring this out, but I'm just telling you, if, if you had the solution to my problem, how much would you have to hate me not to share it with me? And a lot of us, what we, we fail to realize is that not being ashamed of the solution will actually be the cure to humanity's problem. And God is going, why would you walk around with this and hide it from everybody? Why would we ever be ashamed when we've got the answer? I know that, that they might be a little pushback on it, but I promise you when they're cured, they'll be like, thank you. So what if there's a little discomfort on our part? I would get discomfortable to save somebody else's life. And God is the solution to whatever people are going through. And let me just challenge you, Coastal, because there are way too many people that are walking around because the world has told us to be quiet about our faith for way too long. And I think that if we understood the cure that we had for humanity, there would be a boldness, there would be an audacity, there would be, there would be a strength that we would kind of buck up and we'd put our shoulders back and be like, no, 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 I don't care what you say because I've got the answer to everything that you're looking for in life. And I know this might offend you initially, but you'll thank me later because I've got what you need because the gospel changes everybody. And see, when you truly know what the gospel is, you don't conceal this thing. You actually celebrate it. Man, you make it loud and proud. And so I want to challenge some of the Christ followers in here today. It's time for us to live a life that is not ashamed of the gospel. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you five reasons you need not be ashamed of the gospel. The first one is this. The reason we're not ashamed is because the gospel is from God. It's from God. Romans chapter 1, it says, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Notice his description of himself. He describes himself as a servant. That's what we should all be. Called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. I'm not sure if you see what Paul is doing in this passage, but it's something that a lot of us do in conversations with other people. Paul is basically going, hey, 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 listen, this is the gospel and it's just not something I came up with. It's not something my friends came up with. This is actually the gospel of God. He is name dropping in the conversation. He's like, hey, you know what? Last week I was in a conversation with, with 
Billy Graham. And the moment I say Billy Graham, you're like, oh, your ears perk up. Why? Because somebody with more authority has said something, and now I'm using that person's authority to get your attention. And Paul is going, hey, listen, I want you to know that this didn't come from me. This didn't come from some of my theology friends. This came directly from God. Like, this is a great idea, but it's not my idea. It's actually God's idea. In fact, throughout the book of Romans, he name drops God 144 times. He's constantly reminding them, this isn't from me. This isn't from philosophy. This isn't from theologians. This is from God. So you need to listen. Verse 2, he says, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scripture. In other words, what he's saying is, he's saying this was my plan all along. All along. Like, my plan wasn't like, I'm going to create humanity, and, and humanity is going to go off the deep end, and and if they can't figure it out, like while he's up in heaven, Jesus, if they can't figure it out, I'm going to have to send you. No, no, no. Jesus was his plan from day one. The scriptures say it like this, 1 Peter 1.20. God chose him, Jesus, as your ransom long before the world began. And this is so big because, because we're looking around and we're freaking out and we're going, God, what do we do? What's going on with our world? And God's going, man, none of this surprises me. I'm not shocked by the economic situation that's going on right now in America. I'm not overwhelmed by the interest rates on homes right now. I foresaw all of this, and I had a plan long ago to solve all the problems of humanity, and my plan from day one was my son, Jesus. He was a solution from the very beginning. He knew your screw-ups. He knew your mistakes. He knew your failures and he still loved you and he called you and he predestined you that is the good news that God is in totally and complete control and we should be unashamed about that I'm unashamed of the gospel because number two the gospel is about Jesus the centerpiece of the entirety of the gospel is not us which is actually really, really good news because it releases you and I from the pressure of performing. And this is hard for us to comprehend as Americans because we've taken Christianity and we've made it all about us. It's a very self-absorbed faith right now. But the, the good news of the gospel isn't us. The good news of the gospel is Jesus. Like the good news is it isn't, it isn't about a political party. It isn't about, it isn't about justice or our happiness or our country. It is about one thing and one thing alone. He says in verse three, regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David, who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So right here in this passage, He's given us a definition and, and a description of who Jesus is. He is a son of David, and he is a son of God. So what we see is that Jesus has a, a royal lineage here naturally on earth, and then he has a, a royal lineage also from heaven. He is the son of David. He's from the line of David, and he's from the line of God. He is the son of God. So he's the right person naturally, and he's the right person supernaturally. 
He is the first and the last. He is the beginning and the end. There has been no one like him before him. There has been no one like him after him. He is God in the flesh dwelling among us 33 years on life. He goes to the cross. He takes the ultimate price. And not only did he do that, but he told him that ahead of time. And the significance of all that stuff that Jesus did was the resurrection. Because I don't know about you, but I'm not believing people that tell me things and then don't follow through on it. Because not only did he tell him what they were going to do, they're going to crucify me, I'm going to die, I'm going to be in the grave three days, and I'm going to rise three days later. And then he does it. That's who I follow. I'm not following a political party. They don't follow through on anything they say. I'm not following the economy. Who knows where that's going? I'm following the one who says what he's going to do and then follows through on it. Well, how do we know that, that he actually did that? 500 people saw him afterwards. And many of those people died for their faith. Here's what I know about people. You were like, well, they could be lying. People who lie don't die for their lie. Only people who know the truth die for the truth. Verse 5, it says, through him, we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. For whose name's sake? Come on, for whose name's sake? We are Jesus' people. At Coastal Community Church, we are all about Jesus. We elevate Jesus. We celebrate Jesus. We exalt Jesus. We build our life off of Jesus. We need to understand that Jesus is the hero of the story, not you and me. We always have the perception that we should be the hero of the story. No, no, no. We're the broken people in the story. We're the people that are in need of a Savior, and Jesus comes on the scene, and he becomes the hero of our story. And when our hope is in us, you and I, we're destined to fail. But when our hope is in God, we're always going to be victorious. We don't fight for victory. We actually fight from a place of victory. And I am not ashamed of that. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And listen, you don't have to defend Jesus. You don't have to defend this church. You don't have to defend me because Jesus has already defended it all. Because there's just one name that is above every other name. And at that one name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. At that name, demons flee. At that name, lives are restored. At that name, people are healed. It is the name of Jesus. Number three, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it produces obedience. Everybody say obedience. obedience. Verse five, through him we receive the grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. He says, listen, there is an obedience that comes in your life when you begin to follow God. And I know this to be true in my own life. I remember I was 19 years old when I gave my life to Jesus. And up until that point, I was crazy. Like when I say crazy, I mean crazy. Kicking, getting kicked out of school, like 
partying like crazy, dating lots. I, I, I mean, if, if it was bad besides drugs, I was in on it. And I remember the moment that I gave my life to Christ, I, 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 don't, I didn't understand it at the time because the moment I gave my life to Christ, like the next day, I was like, I was calling up my girlfriend and I'm telling her I had to break up with her. I didn't know why. I just blamed it on God. You know, that's what you do at that stage. God, God wants me to break up with you. Then all my friends started calling me up about parties and like, hey, you're going you're to come out. And I was like, no, nah, I, don't, I, don't, I don't do that anymore. They're like, what are you talking about? You did that last night. I was like, no, no, I just, I don't do that anymore. And then, then I started noticing that I, that I wasn't cussing all the time like I was before. Like, people were like, you, you don't cuss anymore. I was like, I, I guess I don't. Like, I, I didn't even realize. And what's interesting about it is, is when I gave my life to Christ, it, is, it wasn't like somebody came up to me and said, hey, TJ, here are the rules that you have to follow now that you're a believer in Jesus. No, 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 what happened is, is when I gave my heart to Jesus, what happened is he promised that he would give me a helper called his Holy Spirit. And when his Holy Spirit came into my life, I didn't need anybody to tell me whether things were wrong. He started convicting me from the inside out. And I started realizing, you know what? I'm not going to date the same people that I used to date. I'm not going to hang out with the same people I used to hang out. My mouth isn't going isn't to be cussing up a storm like I used to. Why? Not, not because I was trying to be good. It was because all of a sudden, God just naturally started changing me and making me obedient. Like, like I got saved and all of a sudden things just started changing in my life. And here's what I've learned is that real faith is marked by a desire to please God. Our faith isn't about rules and regulations and cans and cans. But when you truly experience salvation through faith, you're just like, I just truly want to live for Jesus. And that means that I'm going to look different. And listen, being good doesn't save us, but being good is evidence that Jesus has saved us. And so my goal in life isn't to be good. My goal is just to allow God to come into my life and begin to change me and, and when, you, when he starts to change me, like, I, I remember going to my friends and being like, I'm sorry, I can't do that. And I just realized that I don't have to apologize to anybody because I, I'm serving the one who is bigger than everyone around me. And why am I going to apologize to them when I'm living for him? And you have to get to this point where you're going to go, no, 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 I'm unashamed. I'm not ashamed of what God is doing in my life. Because when God gets in my life, he begins to change everything. And everything he changes is always for the better. And listen, I get it. It's not popular to obey God today. But here's what I know. Everybody is obeying someone or something. Every one of us is worshiping something or someone. I'm not ashamed that I chose to obey God. You shouldn't be ashamed that you chose to obey God. Don't conceal your life change. Celebrate it. Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says like this. Let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. If we think that Jesus is a turnoff, for people, it's wrong. Jesus is actually a turn on for people. Like when we start living for him, our light begins to shine. They go, I want some of that. Why? Because they're getting the inauthentic and the fake all the time. 
and they've learned that that does not satisfy. So why don't we actually look at, give them something real? Because the world is looking for something real and authentic. And you might go, I might not have it all together, but you know what? Every day I'm just gonna look more and more like Jesus. I'm gonna allow him to transform me because I'm becoming obedient to him. And the more I'm transformed into his image, the more people are gonna see him because I am unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And listen, it's the people who don't look like the world that will be the people that change the world. In church, like it's time that we started being different. And I'm okay being different because God has transformed me. And listen, if your life has never been transformed, I want you to know that God can begin that process today. You have an opportunity for that at the end of service where he wants to come into your life and begin to transform you from the inside out. It's not, I'm going to go and get good, then I can come to God. No, 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 it's I'm going to come to God, and God's going to begin to transform me and make me good. Number four, the gospel is for everyone. It's for everyone. My wife and I just had the opportunity to take a, a group of people from coastal to Israel uh, just about 30 days ago, and it was an incredible trip. In fact, if you're interested in going to Israel with us, we're going to be going to Israel next April 4th through the 13th. We're going to have some info meetings in the next couple of weeks. If you would like to experience what we call the fifth gospel uh, of the Bible, then you've got to come to Israel with us. But we went to Israel and we had, we had a group of 40-something people with us from our church. And, and on the way back, we sent the team back and us and another couple from our church, we decided to go to London for a couple of days on the way back. And, and so Shayla and I and this couple, Jerry and Amber, we, we flew into London. We, we go to our hotel, and Shayla is the points queen. Uh, she collects points like nobody's business from credit cards. I know Dave Ramsey says not to do that. She has mastered it. And so we pay him off every month, so don't go like, you shouldn't do that. We pay him off, okay? And so she's acquired all these Marriott points and all this stuff. And so we went and we booked a room on points at, at the JW Marriott Grovesner Park. And this other couple, they went and got a room as well. We, so we arrived there and we went to the hotel desk and they're like, Mr. and Mrs. McCormick, your, your room's going to be a while. Uh, so, so you're going to be a while, but, but Jerry and Amber, your room's ready. And so, so they went up to their room and we went up to their room with us because he's like, man, you got to come see my room. I, I, I booked a suite. And I was like, man, I want to see a suite here at this hotel. I'm sure it's awesome. And so we go up to the room. They've got this great room. And we're like, man, this is awesome. Except they're overlooking the air conditioner. So I was like, that's, a, that's an awesome view you guys got, you know, and really pays to get that suite. And, uh, and so they're, they're there and we go out because we've got time before our room's ready and, and we're out and we're walking the city and, and, and Amber and Shayla go off to do something else and Jerry and I go back to the hotel and I, I got a text from the, the, the front desk that our room was ready. So we get back, I go to the front desk. They said, oh, Mr. McCormick, we're so sorry your room was so late. We, we greatly, greatly apologize. And here's your room key. It's on the same floor that, that Jerry's room is on. And so we go up to the to the, the, the top floor, and we, we get out, and he goes one way, which his room is not very far, and I start walking like 37 miles to this room. It's like the furthest room away. I'm like, man, if there is ever a fire, I'm burning. I'm burning, because like, I am nowhere near the stairs or, or any of this stuff, and, and, and I get to my room, and I open the door, and when I open the door, I'm like, oh my gosh, and right at that time, Jerry calls me. He's like, hey, how's your room? I'm like, Jerry, you got to come see this. 
You're never, you're never going to believe it. You just got to come see it. And so he's like, where's your room? I'll, I'll tell him the directions to my room. He comes to my room. And, 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 and when he walks in, he realizes they gave us the presidential suite. Come on, somebody. Like president. Some of y'all are like, you shouldn't have gotten that. That's the favor of the Lord on your boy right here. And the favor of Shayla's status on that credit card, you know. It's... And so he walks in and he's like, what? He's mad. Like, I mean, we got this massive living room. It's overlooking, overlooking Hyde Park. It's, I've got bathrooms and living rooms and bedrooms. And he, I was like, this is ridiculous. They, brought, they left me desserts because they were so mad, upset that they had, they had left, left us hanging for so long trying to get into our room. And, and Jerry's like, what in the world? He gets mad. He's like, I'm going on the front desk. I'm demanding this room as well. I was like, okay. Sucks to be you. <laughs> and Shayla comes back, and I text her and say, come up to the room. And she comes up, and she's like, oh, my gosh. And then I start telling her uh, uh, about Jerry, and she's like, oh. All of a sudden, she became very ashamed that we had gotten the presidential suite. She's like, well, well, maybe we should just give it to them because, like, they're, they're our friends. And, and like, I, I feel bad that they didn't get this. And I'm like, I don't feel bad. <laughs> In fact, I had to call Jerry and offer our room because she was, like, she wanted everybody to get the presidential suite. But not everybody gets the presidential suite. <laughs> But here's the deal. Everybody gets the gospel. Like everybody gets, it's not just limited to the people that have status. It's not just limited to the people that are in the club. We can all have access to everything that God has for us. And listen, Shayla was ashamed because not everybody had it, but Jesus going, man, everybody can have access to the gospel of Jesus Christ that will change and transform everybody. It's not just for perfect people. It's not just for, for, for people that have it all figured out. It's for everyone. It says in verse five, through him we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles. Last time I checked, all is not an exclusive thing. All means all. People can say the church is exclusive, and that's a shame because the gospel is not exclusive. The gospel is just not just something for us, and we can have it, and you can't, but it's for every single man, woman, and child on this earth. He wants every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people group to hear and experience the power to change their life that comes through the gospel. And so if you're white, come to Jesus. If you're black, come to Jesus. If you're Brazilian, come to Jesus. If you're tall, come to Jesus. If you're short, come to Jesus. If you're Middle Eastern, come to Jesus. If you're Republican, come to Jesus. If you're Democrat, come to Jesus. If you're a Libertarian, come to Jesus. If you're straight, come to Jesus. If you're gay, come to Jesus. If you're rich, come to Jesus. If you're poor, come to Jesus. Scripture tells us 
For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whoever wants to come, they can come. There is no exclusion in this thing. Jesus came for sinners of which we are all one. Now, I don't know what you walked in here with today, but Jesus can change anyone, anywhere, in any situation. You're not disqualified. Your sin hasn't, hasn't kept you from his love and his grace and his mercy. And the good news of the gospel is that it's for every single one of us. Number five is this, the gospel is powerful. It's powerful. It's not some self-help baloney, but it's powerful. Verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of of God that brings salvation to everyone. It's the same power that created the universe. It's the same power that raised Jesus from the grave. That is what we're talking about. And I don't know what you're jacked up with or you're messed up with, but the answer to the problems in your life is the power that comes through God that brings salvation. That word salvation literally is the, is the Greek word soteria. It means holistic transformation. It's not just salvation from sin, but the reality is is that every single thing in your life changes when God's power comes into your life. So you come to Jesus all broken and all messed up, and here's what he promises. Total forgiveness, that's salvation. Total healing, that's salvation. Total redemption, that's salvation. Total restoration, that's salvation. Total breakthrough in that relationship, that's salvation. Well, that sounds too good to be true. It isn't because it's the good news. It's the good news for every single one of us. And listen, the life that you desire will never be achieved because of yourself. You can't earn it. You can't do enough to achieve it. It's because of Christ's sacrifice. That's what this thing is all about. Paul says it's powerful. And I want you to know it just wasn't powerful in that day. It's powerful today. Like, I want you to know that, that, that over, over the last couple of months, people that are going into the hub after the service and, and they're praying to God that God would heal them, that there's been miraculous healings that have taken place. Why? Because the gospel is still powerful today. I want you to know that there are marriages that have been a wreck and all of a sudden the gospel comes in their life. They give their life to Christ and all of a sudden there is this, there is this restoration that takes place in that marriage where they're no longer fighting at, after each other because they're loving their spouses. Christ loved the church and they're caring for one another. That's the power that God wants to work. I love it that right now at MSD, the class president who serves in our cafe is giving a, a, a speech with Jeremiah 29 11 written all around the crown of her hat so that everyone they told her she couldn't preach the gospel but she said I'll find a way anyways and she so she wrote scripture all over her hat saying I'm gonna preach it anyways there is power in our students right here in a public high school saying I don't care what anybody else thinks I'm gonna take a stand because I know who I am through Jesus Christ Two questions for you today. Two important questions. First one is this. 
Have you experienced the gospel power in your life? Simply what that means is, have you been born again? Have you made Jesus not just your Savior, but your Lord? Have you surrendered to him? And if you haven't, you're in the right place today where you can make that happen. And I believe that there are many of you, whether you're in Lighthouse Point, watching online or right here, that this will be the biggest decision that you'll ever make in the history of your life here today. Second question, are you ashamed of the gospel? Are you ashamed? And here's how you know. Are you sharing it with others? Because if you aren't, there's some shame in your life. And here's what God wants to do. He, he says, shame off of you. Shame off of you. The Garden of Eden was the first thing he did. He took their shame away. He covered their shame. That's what the gospel does. It covers you. You go, you know what? I, I, I can't hide this anymore. I'm going to share it with everyone. Today, the most difficult altar call I'm ever going to do probably at this church. We're talking about I'm unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here today and you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior. Normally, I would ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes, but if we're not going to be ashamed, and we can't be ashamed here in public with a whole bunch of people that will cheer for you and celebrate you on the best decision that you have ever made. And so if today you need to make a decision to say, you know what, Pastor TJ, I'm going to choose to allow the gospel to play out in my life. I'm going I, to realize that it's from God, that it's all about Jesus. And Jesus, he wants to come into my heart and, and make me obedient. And then, then what he wants to do is he wants to come and change and transform me from the inside and empower me to experience all that he has. If that's you, if you would, on the count of three, if you just stand up right there in your seat, that you would be bold and courageous because if you won't be bold and courageous in here with a bunch of people that are with you, you won't ever be bold and courageous out there. So on the count of three, if that's you, go ahead and stand up. One, two, three. Go ahead and stand up. There's no shame here. Yes, I'll see you up there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Stand up. Stand up. Where are you at? You're ready to make that decision. Stay standing. Stay standing. Stay standing right here. Made the best decision. Lighthouse point. I know there's people standing right there. Come on, let's give it up for them. They just made the best decision they've ever made right there. We're going to pray a prayer here together. You prayed in your heart as I prayed out loud. The gospel is going to be powerful in our lives. God, we love you in this place. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, that paid the ultimate price for you and I. God, we ask you to forgive us of our past, change our present, and secure our future. God, we thank you that the gospel is alive and active, and it's moving in our lives right now. God, we surrender our will. We surrender our way. Change us forevermore. Help your Holy Spirit to come in our lives from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet and change us from the inside out. Jesus, we love you in this place. It is in Jesus' name that I pray. And everybody said amen. Come on, let's celebrate those people.